everyone. Welcome into another segment of the New York Her Podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Landis. Very excited to have you guys join me for another week. Keep listening. Keep subscribing. Check it out on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends, tell your mothers, sisters, brothers, anybody you know. Tell them to listen to the New Yorker podcast because we have had some awesome guests so far this week. Very excited to welcome in Fox Sports reporter Christina Pink, who actually is going to cover the New York Jets Thursday night primetime game week four versus the Denver Broncos. So Christina Pink, thank you so much for joining me this week. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited. It's good to talk to you. Christina, ecstatic to have you on this week's podcast. Believe it or not, you actually are the first sideline reporter that I have been able to interview for the New Yorker podcast. I want to talk about the importance of the sideline reporter position. Oftentimes, I don't think sideline reporters get the credit that they deserve. I truly believe that. I'm a team reporter for the New York Jets, and I don't necessarily share the same duties as a sideline reporter. However, I think there's a lot of ways I can relate to it. And I think oftentimes people underestimate how difficult this job can be sometimes. So explain to me from your perspective why the sideline reporter position is so extremely important to the broadcast. Well, so, yeah, this is my ninth season as um, an NFL and Fox sideline reporter. And, oh, my gosh, I said that out loud. I'm like, wow, it's my ninth season. Um, But (laughs) so we're the literally the eyes and ears for the broadcast because obviously the guys are up in the booth so there's so many things that are happening on the bench that are happening within the field of play that so many things I mean you know like there's how many guys out there on the field on both sidelines like we're constantly you have so many camera angles but not every camera is going to catch everything so having us down there is an extra set of eyes for our production truck, for the guys in the booth to let them know, hey, this guy just came off or this guy's getting worked on. This guy's going into the tent. Um, This is happening on the bench. You know, these guys are in a huddle. This coach is going off on a player. And so, but for us, I feel like I'm constantly, even though I think at times you only hear maybe five or six updates during a broadcast, we're constantly giving them information that might not even come from us on the air, but is helpful to the truck to be able to provide that information. And overall, really, when you think about it, you're a storyteller. You, yeah. Yeah. You said you are the eyes and ears between the broadcast and the audience, which is so true in, on so many different levels. So you're trying to tell a story, always constantly trying to give fans a piece of information that they would not have access to if you were not there. So what are some of the challenges on that other side of that, of being a sideline reporter and having to be all over the place in 50 different places at once? Well, it's got extra challenges now because we're kind of sideline reporters, but I'm not actually allowed on the sideline right now. <laughs> so it's different. We've I've kind of had to like relearn my job almost um, because we don't have the same access, which I mean, that's for everybody with media. We're all kind of dealing with it because I think what's fun for me as a journalist, which I hope is the same for other people, is like I love like talking to people face to face, having those conversations, looking someone in the eye. Um, And I feel like I get so much more from having those conversations in person. And so you kind of have to adjust to doing calls, doing Zooms. 
Um, I mean, I, there have been times in games this year where I'm like yelling over to people. <laughs> I'm like, because I'm stationed now in what they call the moat, which is in the first row of the stands where like I'm yelling over to like a coach during the game or not during the game, but like at halftime doing coaches interviews, like, hey, so what do you think about your defense? You know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. But I think at the root of it, it is the storytelling. You know, like, I'm a mm-hmm. facilitator for fans at home, for viewers at home, to give them information about their favorite team, their favorite players, why they're doing the things they're doing, how they're doing the things they're doing. And, you know, obviously a big part of it for for any broadcast in terms of sideline is like being aware of injuries, being aware of guys' backstories, um, you know, being and so fun for me just because not the injuries at all. I'm, I'm, I mean, in the job itself, um, but being able to, like capture moments that people don't always see. Like I celebrate sport and for me, sport's fun. And so be able to to give fans like the hows, the whys, the whats of the guys that they follow every day and be able to tell those stories and contribute to the broadcast makes my job so much fun. Um, I love it. And it's it's just the, the games get better and better. Um, the, the league is so much fun to cover because there are so many stories, you know, good teams, bad teams. It doesn't really matter. You know, the more you dig into it, you're always going to find a story, you know? Yeah. And that's always, in my personal opinion, I think that's one of the funnest parts of our job is being able to tell stories and kind of tell the more human side of these players sometimes because all a lot of times all fans see are – players on the field playing the game that they love playing for the team that they love trying to win trying to score so to be able to show the human side of these individuals I think is really rewarding yeah it is and it it's so crazy because you only see what you have three hours of a game but there's so many guys on on an NFL roster particularly you might only see a guy when you hear his name called when he's making a tackle or, you know, some guys on defense, you never hear their name called. And so to be able to talk to guys, talk to fans and tell stories about some of the players that they love that they don't really know a ton about um, or their name doesn't get called all that often. Um, it's fun. Like I, <laughs> I feel like the most underappreciated guys sometimes are like offensive linemen, you know, or it's yeah. like, because they only get talked about when, <laughs> a lot of times when like they're blowing a play, you know, because they get run over, they get to the quarterback. And so, but sometimes those are the guys with like the best personalities who are so fun to talk to. Cause they're like, Hey, no one ever talks to us. What do you want to say? <laughs> they're like, come over here. We want to oh, give you a story. I, I had a guy I talked to last week. who was really funny. I talked to him on the phone. And the first thing he said was, Hey, you want to talk to me? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, why not? I mean, Sure. Look, yeah. what do you got to say? So, yeah, which is so funny, and uh, yeah. it is. It's it's a cool job, and every day I look at it, and I I genuinely feel like I have the best job in the world because I get to tell those stories. And even being in my role now, like not being being a bit removed from the action, as far as like being actually on the sideline. I mean, it's different from stadium to stadium. Whether there's fans, whether there's no fans, obviously MetLife, there's not, but. You know, I still hear a lot um, and I still see a ton um, and I patrol one sideline for Thursday night, which actually does make it easier because I'm glued to that one side. So I yeah. don't have to worry about jumping back and forth. And so I still see, you know, a lot of what happens out there and be able to tell our truck like, hey, this is what's going on. Really, the only thing that's different is just not being able to have 
as much as I'd like those face-to-face mm-hmm. convos a lot more happens during the week, but it it's, it's a fun job. I'm, I love it. And I, I think that comes across because it's, you know, for me, it's, it's fun and being able to, to talk to guys and hear stuff like that. Someone saying like, what do you want to talk to me? What do you, what do you want? What do you need? Yeah. <laughs> it all, it's so refreshing. And in my ninth season, it just, I love it. Well, you actually brought up a very interesting point. You said that for this upcoming game, you only have to worry about one sideline. Another thing that I don't think a lot of people know about sideline reporters, oftentimes, pre-COVID especially, they're asked to cover both sidelines and report on yeah. both teams. So what are some of the challenges of having to do that? Because that is not an easy job. Let's just throw that out there. No, and that's what I've done the most of. I mean, I've only done Thursday night now. This is my third season doing it. So for the first six, um, I was the lone sideline reporter. So I was running between both sidelines. And the worst feeling you can have is being on one sideline and something happens on the other. And like I, the most important thing is to have comfortable shoes on because I run. (laughs) I run and I sprint to both sidelines during the game, or if I'm talking to one coach at half, and then you gotta go get the other coach at halftime. So you're walking in with one, you gotta make sure you're in place at the other locker room to catch the other coach because you can't miss them. When they come out, you've only got a few minutes. So it's, I mean, it's challenging, but it's, I think that's probably the toughest part is being on one side, monitoring what's happening on the other, trying to, in the flow of the game, calling to yourself like okay gosh like do i want to run over to the other side is this the moment is this team going to go on a run i want to see what's happening or the opposite if the team's giving up a big lead do i want to stay over here to see how they're handling it what's the mood on the sideline Mm -hmm. so it's just kind of being able to predict and kind of make those decisions on where you want to go do i want to follow the play and see what's happening when a team's in the red zone or do i want to watch the bench to see how the guys are getting ready to play is you know the quarterback warming up is a guy getting worked on with an injury So there's so many things that you're following. You're just one person to be able to kind of catch all of it uh, during the course of, you know, a a three hour game. Do you have that freedom to be able to make those choices? Because you just said, well, it's up to me. I have to decide, do I want to stay on this sideline? Do I want to go look at injuries or I have to wait to see how they react? Are you given that freedom to make that choice? Oh, yeah, that's all us. That's just me saying to myself, you know, what do I want to cover right now? What do I feel like is important? And what do I feel like will get in? You know, so I can call, I say call, but I I think in my head, okay, what would be something that the guys in the booth, if they're talking about someone, maybe I want to follow up and see what that guy's doing, how he's handling it. Did he just give up a big play? Um, the number one thing I would always follow if there's an injury, that would be the first thing. So if there's one on one sideline, that'd be the first thing that I go to cover. Um, and after that, it's just making those calls to see, um, and when I say making the call, I mean, like, just what do I want to do? You know? And it's kind of like, it's decision-making. It's what we talk about. Like, the quarterback has to figure out where do I want to go on this play? What read do I want to make? And that's kind of what I do during a game. You are in many ways the quarterback <laughs> of that broadcast team. <laughs> I right? think the guys in the booth or the truck would they say that. Yeah. But no, uh, it's yeah. a team effort, but it is. You just kind of, and 
and those things get easier as you've done this for a while. I could definitely say in my first season to now, it's just kind of easy to figure out, you know, like if I have a young quarterback or like a, a guy that's a, a top pick that's playing his first couple games, like I'll probably tend to watch him more often than not to kind of see how he's interacting with the offensive coaches, with his quarterback's coach. Um, Cause I know that's going to be something that people will follow during the game. Um, same thing with like a star player on defense or a guy returning from an injury. I want to watch to see what he's doing when he's not on the field. Is he on the stationary bike? Um, is he, you know, um, getting heat on his knee or on his back? And so those are things that you just kind of figure out as time goes. I would definitely say it's easier in my ninth season now. Um, yeah. And in my first season, it's just like a flow thing. It's not really something that you think about. It's just in my head, like, okay, oh, I want to go over there and see what's happening. Or mm, I haven't been on that sideline in a while. Like maybe I'll run over there at the end of the quarter um, to see what's happening, what those guys are talking about. It's just, yeah, it's just a feel. You just get a feel for it. Mm -hmm. You mentioned something very interesting. You said this is your third season now covering primetime games. I'm really curious, what is the difference as a reporter in a primetime game atmosphere as opposed to a regular Sunday game. And I know obviously a lot of this will go more towards pre-COVID conditions, but when you think about it, what are some of the energy changes? Because players talk about it all the time and they're like, primetime is it. It's a national stage. Everybody's watching you. Is this similar for a reporter? Yeah, you know what? It does have a different feel to it. Um, and it, yeah, it is more like the pre-pandemic where you, you're playing under the lights, the crowd seems a lot louder, the energy feels different because you know that you're the lone game on on a Thursday night. And yeah. in those night games, it just has a different feel because, you know, for a Sunday game, you know, okay, every team in the league is playing on a Sunday everybody and guys say that all the time when I talk to them they say okay I know that everybody's going to see this game on Thursday night and you feel like they come in knowing that like hey I want to make a statement because I know not only like the whole country's watching but like my friends my family like everybody's eyes are all on this game other players in the league are watching and talking about it and you know tweeting and so they they I feel like they have that awareness mm -hmm. and so there is that like hey I'm in prime time I want to make a statement. We know that all eyes are on us and everybody's watching. Um, from a sideline perspective, it's the same. I think the energy is big. It's big. It feels that way. Um, and it's something that, you know, like I said, working on Sundays, those are fun. I love it. Night games, primetime definitely has a different vibe to it. Um, and then for me, every team plays on Thursday for the most part. So you see teams that you wouldn't normally see. Like for Fox, we generally have NFC games. And so I see a lot more AFC that I did early in my career. I could probably count how many Jets games I had before Thursday night football. And now we've seen them every season. Mm -hmm. So I get a chance to see teams that I wouldn't see very often. Um, and so tell stories that I don't get to very often and talk to players that I don't get to very often. Um, but then you only have them one time. So that's the only drawback. It's like you get them once <laughs> yeah. and then I don't see them again. Where before I'd see teams like four or five times during the season. Well, I have one more question for you before I let you go. 
I want to talk about the preparation that goes into just one single game. Because again, I want to paint a picture for people and I want people to realize at how difficult this job can be at times. You have one game. It takes more than just a couple of hours to prepare for that game because you have to know both rosters, both coaches, both stories. Walk me through what a normal game day preparation looks for you early on in the week. So I will say that is the one thing that is tough with Thursdays in terms of prep is every team that you see is on a short week. So I finish up my Thursday game and Friday morning on my flight home, I'm digging into the next team. Mm. And I'm usually watching their last couple of games. And I start developing things I want to talk about in my head, players I might want to talk to, stories I might want to pursue, um, what's happening with the team, um, obviously in the flow of games, how they're, you know, roster changes, guys that are called up. And then that all could change on Sunday because they'll play. And so I might have like three or four things that I want to talk about. And then those all go out the window because something else develops on a Sunday. So when you do Sunday games, that's different because it's not like they're playing be from between Monday and Saturday when you prep for your game. Mm -hmm. So it's actually kind of funny. So I feel like it's really that Monday through Wednesday that are so vital because coming off of whatever happens on Sunday, I'm Monday morning, like, okay, I want to talk to this guy. I want to do this. You know, what happened in the game? Um, so it's, it's kind of funny because from Friday to Saturday, I'll have all these ideas about what I want to do. And then Sunday, it's like, oh, that's out the window. All out the window. <laughs> it happens to me many times. <laughs> Christina Pink, I cannot thank you enough for joining me for my fourth episode of the New York Curb podcast. It was absolutely wonderful to get your insight. Thank you so much. Thank you.